Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Buckeye Weekly Podcast. I am Tony Gerdeman here, as always, with Tom Orr. Tom, how's it going? I'm a little salty that I didn't get uh, selected for a Big Ten Network uh, contributor role this fall. Um, that went to someone else, which is too bad. But, you know, these things happen. We move on with life. Life is all about how you deal with your disappointments. How are Tom, you? Did, are you I, a Big Ten Network contributor this fall? I, I am not, and it's not just how you deal with about deal with disappointments. It's how you deal with a conference shutting down football and agree with that decision wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. And if you had done that, then perhaps I would be speaking with a Big Ten Network correspondent, Tom Orr. Tom, give me your thoughts on the Big Ten and how right they were. Uh, I would say they were completely right in everything they did. And even in the things that contradicted the things they said or said and did earlier, they were right both earlier and later because that's the only, that's the only thing they are. They are right in all, all of their things all the time. In fact, you cannot be more right than to change directions and be right that way too. It's like when two opposite reactions create a, a bigger reaction or zero times zero is 100. That's what this is, Tom. This is creating new math from old science, and now that's why you, Tom, are not on the Big Ten Network. I'm apparently not good enough at fake math. That's, that's of all my failings, that is definitely, definitely one of them. Yes, it is definitely one of, one of your many, many, many failings. But, Tom, we don't need to go spend the entire time talking about your failings on this show. We, we do, frankly do not have time. We want to keep this show within the 30 to 60 minute range. And if we were to focus on you, you now we're talking like, you know, Ken Burns would be like, guys, come on, let's, let's get some minutes out of this thing. All right. There's a game in 11 day, days, guys. Come on. <laughs> we, we have got to keep this thing moving. All right. So yeah, today, today being Tuesday, we talked to junior quarterback, Justin Fields. Uh, freshman quarterback coach Corey Dennis and sophomore head coach Ryan, sophomore and a half, redshirt he, sophomore. He, he's, he's a redshirt sophomore because he had fewer than four games as a head coach in 2018. Correct. He yeah. did redshirt in 2018, did not lose that year of eligibility, which is great for him and the Buckeyes. Hopefully he does not turn pro after this year, even though he technically could, this being his third season at Ohio State. So, actually fourth if we think about it, but he, he gray shirt as a head coach in 2017. <laughs> so that's who we talked to today. As we asked a bunch of questions, found out very little about the quarterback situation. And then asked many other questions of Ryan day and found out some things we will, we'll go over everything that we, uh, quote unquote found out or at least talked about today with Ryan Day and, and everyone else. And this is our second time in a, in a week talking to Justin Fields. So I don't know how much more we could get from him. Mostly just well, although Tom, the last time was mainly spent on talking about his diet. Mm-hmm. His diet I believe was only mentioned once today and that was by himself talking about you know how he had improved and things that had made him better, and that was one of them. So today, we mainly focused on the quarterback and him playing quarterback and what he's done to improve there and all of the many different ways he's improved. Tom, 
any one specific area where Justin Fields uh, worked on and felt that he needed to improve? Just one specific area. Could you give us an example of uh, what was talked about? Well, from what Justin talked about, I think my big takeaway was that he wanted to take just just improve his game all around. Now, when Corey Dennis came up uh, and was talking and was asked for specific areas, you know, physically or mentally in which day, which fields had improved. Um, Dennis, on the other hand, said it was more just sort of improving all around. Uh, that that was the area in which fields has made the most strides. Um, and then finally, Ryan Day talked more about the fact that it was sort of like a holistic all around area of improvement for fields. Um, I assume that uh, the actual area of improvement must it be in the realm of nuclear weapons or uh, some sort of spycraft, because uh, it seemed it seemed as if it was um, quite a secret. Whatever whatever he's doing, and you know, I don't want to say uh, something involving I don't know the dark web or um, you know. Uh, you know, breaking into North Korea to free people or something. I mean, it, it may, it, it could have been any of those things. Um, whatever it was, though, the specifics were not. Uh, we, we we didn't have clearance for for those specifics. No clearance, Clarence. And so, yes, all around could mean what floor routine, uh, the 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 balance beam, the uneven bars, all around. An, an improved quarterback for the Buckeyes, which is exciting, I think. Justin, I just have one, two quickies. Uh, one is about rhythmic gymnastics with the ribbon. Uh, when you're twirling the ribbon, have you improved your technique there? And specifically, in what areas? You know what would be infuriating is if they did get specific and technical in rhythmic gymna- gymnastics improvements and what they were focused on. Well, we really wanted to get that elbow bend and the wrist flick in there and... And so we we spent many times on that. I could go on and on. And in fact, I will go on and on about all of the time we spent on the ribbon. And then, well, okay, well, now can you apply that type of answer to football? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. We won't get into that. We just wanted to get better as a whole. And so they have. And I would think that probably he has. And I know everybody's mainly focused on, will you get the ball out sooner? That sort of thing. And I'm going to have to assume yes, because he does know the offense better. And that was really my whole takeaway from this is how, I guess, maybe um, annoying he can be when uh, he's hanging around the coaches, asking them all these questions and wanting to know all of this. But it's exactly what coaches want from their players. And right, they said it's not that unusual because year one, you're asking, you know, players ask, what am I supposed to do? And then year two, it's why am I doing it? And not a, a challenging, like, you know, why am I doing this? Not that sort of thing. It's like, well, why am I doing it? Let me know. So I want to know the, the hows and the whys and what, what does this impact? How does my doing this impact the safety and, and all of these different ways? And so that growth is there. There really don't seem to be any concerns with Justin Fields, not that we expect there to because he played so well last year in such a short amount of time. And so really, I don't even know what else to, to say about the guy other than uh, apparently he's done everything he's asked. They've asked him. He's done more. He's come out of this quarantine better, more meeting times, more conversations, a better understanding of the offense. So at this point, he, he's, I wouldn't say he's a finished product, but I 
what what else do you have to work on? He's certainly an improved product, I would say, based on you know he he should be more mentally prepared, understanding not just the you know the what but the why. I mean that that is going to help you know if you really understand the you know the whole the whole picture and why you're doing things that that helps you know may, helps you do those things better. He also talked about the fact that he's healthier now. You know, his knee is feeling better. He's not, you know, he shouldn't shouldn't be in that huge bulky knee brace that he was in towards the end of last year, which then should make him a lot more dangerous as a runner, more mobile in the pocket, maybe help him avoid some of the sacks that he took towards the end of last year. That all is kind of areas of improvement. But, you know, that second year as a starter in his system, like that's that's where you typically see guys take a leap. You know, when when okay, you know, the first year it's all a little bit overwhelming. And remember, he did not have like a redshirt year at Ohio State where he could, you know, sort of sit back and learn the playbook and sort of figure out the, the terminology. He just kind of got thrown into the deep end of the pool last year. And obviously, you know, it didn't it didn't look like it at times. You know, I think we came this time last year or, you know, two weeks before the season last year. I think we were both kind of going, OK, what well, you know, the, obviously the physical talent is there. How is that actually going to translate to the field? Is he going to be able to read defense? Is this how you know? How is he going to do with with all that stuff? And it was like, oh, okay, no, he's great at everything immediately. Okay, cool, 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 cool. This year, you sort of expect the next step. Now, you saw kind of one version of this with Joe Burrow at LSU, where his first year was like, yeah, it was fine, and then he turned into generational talent, number one overall draft pick the year after that. Justin Fields' first year at Ohio State was way better than Joe Burrow's first year at LSU. You know, now can he, can Justin Fields take that next step the way that Joe Burrow did? Because if he ends up, he doesn't have to be better than Joe Burrow. He doesn't even have to be as good as Joe Burrow was last year. If he's like 85, 90% of what Joe Burrow was last year, like that's going to be plenty this year. I do think it will be more difficult for him because – Fields isn't being isn't allowed to play against the weak SEC defenses, mm. so it won't be as simple as it was for Joe Burrow. But uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. He will get to play Michigan, mm-hmm. so that will help. That will help those numbers. I I, I think LSU is more wide open than I, Ohio State will be, but and and that's one re, one reason why I'm like, well, what what kind of expectations? should we have for Justin Fields in terms of numbers and you know that 11 games tops and he might put up the same numbers he had last year just and play better but because the the fewer games he just won't have the opportunities and and if he throws three interceptions again this year I think that would be more than acceptable based on the, the different things they'll have him do and that was one of the things I asked. I think I think Tim May and I are working on the same story, and so now it's a competition to see who can write it first. I know I can write it better. Um, and scene. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it was about often like um, what kind of a challenge is it? And this is something I've spoke talked about on the on the show before, like. What kind of challenge is it for these coaches when they have somebody like Justin Fields who can do everything? How do they challenge themselves to make sure that they get the most out of them? And what Ryan Day said is like they've looked at a lot of stuff and what 
they have to be careful of is not giving him too much. They just don't want to give him too much stuff. You want to give him the right stuff. And so they've been pouring over their own plays, other people's plays, and seeing how that would fit in. And so, yeah, they aren't just sitting idly by and, well, you know, this worked last year, so we'll just continue to do that. They're, they're going to continue to bring in stuff and see how it works with them. And that's what Fields wants. He doesn't want to just sit back and do what happened last year because you know, he knows more than he did last year. And so they were somewhat limited in what they could do based on what they wanted to ask him to do or what they wouldn't ask him to do. Now they're comfortable asking him to do anything and looking for more things to ask. Like they're going out and looking for things to give him all the while not wanting to give him too much. And I don't think they need to give him too much because you've got the skill, you've got the talent. And again, if you distribute the football with these wide receivers and these running backs and these tight ends, good things are going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the field end of this is the end that where there's any concern at all. It, it sure sounded like from Day's perspective, it was a lot more they have to, you know, the, the line has to do a good job blocking. They've got to do a good job with pad level, and the guys on the outside have to do a good job with blocking. And the guys with the football have to hang on to the football. You know, it, when, when Day was talking about his concerns this year, it was a lot of all the little stuff, like all the little stuff that can slip through the cracks when you're not, when you haven't had as many practices. I mean, the beginning of this high school football season, the first couple of weeks watching games, it was like, oh, this 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 is not what this should look like this time of year because teams were behind. And you're, start, you're seeing that now in, in the other conferences as well, where just the, the tackling isn't where it needs to be. You've got guys making just silly mistakes that they don't normally make. And that's that's just kind of a going to be how it is this year. This is sort of a ragged, weird, unusual year. But and and they said, you know, everyone's they can't feel sorry for themselves. Everyone is in this position. They just have to deal with it better than any, anyone else does. And I think to to him, it sure sounded like it. You know, he listed all these different areas where they needed to be good. He he didn't talk really about Justin Fields. Like, oh, Justin's really got to do a good job hanging onto the ball. Like, yeah, they, Justin Fields does have to do a good good job taking care of the ball, but. I, I did not get the sense that Justin Fields was anywhere near the top or the middle or even the bottom middle of, of the list of concerns for Ryan Day going into the season. Now, keeping no. Justin Fields healthy, yes. But Justin Fields on the field himself, no. Yeah. And he, he, somebody asked, you know, this seems like it could be a really good offense. You know, are, are you thinking that same thing? And that's where Day was like, doesn't matter how talented you are if you fumble doesn't matter how talented you are if your offensive line isn't tough, if the entire team isn't tough and you don't win battles. And it doesn't matter how talented you are if uh, – what was the third option? What was the third thing there, Tom? Do you remember? Uh, it's very important. Not, not fumbling, uh, you know, taking, taking care of the football, not making penalties, not, having, uh, not making yes, mistakes, but not bad tackling, keeping your pad yeah. level low. Yeah. So it was like play smart, don't turn the ball over and be tough, and the, everything else will take care of itself. And the big plays will come. And I don't think anybody here would disagree. Tom, where, uh, where there may be disagreements, or I don't even know, maybe just question marks, is who is Justin Fields' backup? Because we, we did get to talk to the quarterback uh, coach today. We got to talk to Ryan Day. Uh, Corey Dennis said he, he, they'd be ready to go with anybody. If there's a game and they needed to go with one of the freshmen, they could do that. It did seem odd or uh, not positive for Gunnar Hoke that 
they don't have a backup quarterback or that they decline to name one because they still have time. Um, but still, by this point, generally you know who your backup or you're willing to say who's in the lead at, at backup, and of course they're not saying anything. And it's not just a quarterback, and we'll get to that later, where uh, as Dave said last week, there's no depth chart, and whether there is or not, they're not, they're not telling us anything about anybody. But I don't think it's great for Gunnar Hoke that he's not just a flat-out backup quarterback right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much to read into that because the fact that they, they didn't want to give us anything, you know, when we asked mm-hmm. him, there was a question about safety, you know, how are the safeties looking? And it was just like, here's literally every safety on the roster. Okay, cool, thanks. That's helpful in, in a way. Um, Dennis was asked about it and talked about Gunnar Hoke. He said he's seen a lot of, you know, he has the advantage of having seen a lot of football, said he's extremely talented. Um, said the freshmen are doing a great job preparing to be starters. And our, the quote he used was their pedal to the metal right now. But he said, you know, the freshmen know the offense, but they also know they're not where they need to be yet. So, you know, if, if they are not where they need to be yet, maybe then that's not bad news for Gunnar Hoke. You know, if, if they're not where they need to be right now, okay, maybe they're, maybe they won't be there first week and, this is a balance for them. They were asked a couple times, both Day and Dennis, about, you know, it was a, it, sort of the vibe of the question without, you know, the subtext was, you know, the subtext of the question without actually being said out loud was, so would you be better off just playing the young kids and being more prepared for 2021 rather than a guy who you know is going to be gone after this year, Gunnar Hoke? And, you know, they, they both kind of said, you know, they, they want to be smart about the future, but they also have to, you know... <laughs> Job one is this year. Like they have to win this year too. So whoever gives them the best opportunity this year, if they feel Gunnar Hoke is the guy who's going to give them the best opportunity this year, then Gunnar Hoke is going to be the guy who is the second guy into the into the game. I I don't know. I, I don't get the sense that that's a clear cut thing right now by any means. And, and you know we've we've I think certainly heard that that uh, C.J. Stroud is quite possibly in position to take that job, and that that would obviously not be a, a big shock based on the little bits that we've seen of him, but, you know, I, I, I didn't necessarily get the vibe that, that uh, at least that they were ready to say that, say that part out loud. Maybe, maybe they've decided that in their heads or maybe they're closer than they want to say to deciding that in their heads. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily think we definitely won't see Gunnar Hope take, take a meaningful snap this season. Yeah. I think the, the late start, the pandemic has allowed the freshmen to, we know it's allowed them to get more reps. I think it's allowed a decision to be delayed. But it has also forced them, as, as Corey Dennis said, to like nobody is, they're not preparing any of the quarterbacks to be the backup. They're, they have to prepare everybody to be the starter because, as he said, look at New England, you lose Cam Newton, and now you've got you've to throw somebody else in there. And so they are trying to get everybody, like everybody's preparing to be the starter. And that's what they're working on. And I, I wonder if just the coaching mindset changes where maybe they aren't thinking about the backup right now because they're just trying to make sure everybody is good. If they have to go tomorrow, they'd be able to go tomorrow. And then once you get to game week and your quarterback is okay, then you can begin this this uh, figuring out who slots in where, even though in the back of your mind, everybody knows, coaches know. And you know, that but right now maybe it's all in pencil and in game week it gets put in ink 
and then uh, it fluctuates from there depending on how guys play. But as we know, like once the backup is set, it's it's pretty difficult to unseat them unless maybe it is a freshman, and then the you know that freshman can fluctuate greatly, and that's not necessarily what you need from week to week. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Tom, by all accounts, the freshmen are doing really well. Uh, so that's good. Um, I don't think there are any negative words said on the day, so things are going pretty, pretty good, which is uh, that's exactly what you want to hear from your team. You know, you, you, you seems like everything's going about perfect, although uh, Ryan Day did say what his biggest concern was so far this season, and he mentioned the, the depth at defensive tackle which is something we have talked about um, quite a bit, although not necessarily as much on this show because we used uh, uh, an episode of The Morning Scoop to discuss the defensive line, and if you've missed that, go check that out from last week at some point. But not knowing when Haskell Garrett or Teron Vincent will be back, and notice nobody even asked because we know we're not going to get an answer from Mm -hmm. Ryan Day about injuries, so it's like, well, I'm not going to waste a question on something I know I'm not going to get, and that's I'm not ripping day or anything like that. That's that's just the reality. We know we're not going to get really anything there. So, um, but it's still a concern for him. That's his biggest concern right now: depth at, at defensive tackle. And which I I'll continue to not expect much from either Garrett or Vincent early in the season. Well, I think that's that's pretty much a, a given at this point. That that the way they're talking about it, and you know, this is. There's always a little bit of tea leaf reading because no one no one actually wants to answer any questions directly, especially on personnel and depth charts and that kind of stuff. But you can just sort of tell the way they answer questions. Randy talked about, you know, oh, you're going to move some guys around and, and all that. And I think we'll, I think we'll be fine. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll have some different personnel packages and some different, different uh, guys in some different spots. It's like, okay, well, that means that you are going to have to move some of the guys from defensive end over to three tech potentially or moving Antoine Jackson from nose to three tech or, you know, whatever, whatever that means. The whatever the end result of it is, the uh, step two of that process is well, there aren't enough guys at three tech right now who are healthy, and we think they they won't probably be for at least a little while. You know that that's not even necessarily if, if you're talking that way right now, those are not guys who you're anticipating being ready in a week. Those are guys who you know you, they probably have a sense for when these guys will probably be ready, and that none, nothing in that conversation suggested to me. Tommy or uh, 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 Haskell Garrett or Teron Vincent is going to be ready in a week, maybe two weeks. I mean, over under on uh, the number of those guys who play at Penn State is zero point five. Are you betting the over or the under for Teron Vincent and Haskell Garrett? Under, under yeah. all day. Yeah, that, that's that's where I am too. I th- I think that's that that just. Just the whole vibe of it just was kind of like, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll mid mid November, we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't, it, nothing, nothing seemed imminent with either of those guys. Just based, again, this is just based on some tea leaf reading, but it, that that then is a concern. Now you're now you're going, you're facing Nebraska, which should be a pretty decent team. You're fa- you're going to Penn State, which should be a pretty good team. That's a that's a spot where. That's a, that's a position of concern. That was Michigan's big issue last year. One of Michigan's big issues, at least, was, boy, the, the interior of that defensive line, just they had no one there. Ohio State has some players there. They just don't have a ton of depth there, they don't, and they don't have nearly the depth they normally would or you know, would want to have there. So, you know, again, th- there are not 
huge, huge concerns on this team where it's like, oh, well, it turns out we don't have any quarterbacks. Like, that's a problem. Like, or, you know, they're not replacing four or five starters on the offensive line. Like, that's, that's a bigger problem. But, you know, as far as Ohio State problems go this year, the three-tech spot, I think, is pretty unquestionably the biggest, the biggest issue right now. Yeah, and then staying on defense, you mentioned it earlier, the safety situation. Ryan Day was asked for clarity, and he said something that we've been saying for a year now, or six months, who's, you know, nine months, ten months, about Jordan Fuller, saying he's the most unsung hero on the, on the defense last year. Didn't get as much recognition as he deserved. And then, uh, you know, like, well, who's there? You know, who's going to replace him? Mr. Day, who's going to replace him? And Day said Josh Proctor and Marcus Hooker and Bryson Shaw, redshirt freshman, and, and then true freshman, freshman uh, Lathan Ransom have gotten better. They've shown flashes. Quote was uh, overall pleased with what we've seen. And it, it, it'll be whoever they think deserves an opportunity to play. And they plan on playing more than one. I don't know that that more than one will go beyond two right now. You know, who knows? It was interesting that, and I believe in that same question, he was asked, you know, would they be playing the same style? And he, I don't know that he didn't, he didn't really get into that. And I don't know that that was the thrust of, the, of the, the, the crux of the question. But he just said, you know, Proctor, Hooker, Bryson, Sean, Lathan, Ransom. No mention of Court Williams. I wonder is he a strong safety? Is he a ball at, you know, what is, what is his situation? And so there's more of that process of elimination and, and tea leaves. We talked to Matt Barnes this week, tomorrow maybe? I think Wednesday, yeah. So we'll, I'm sure we'll get a ton of answers. <laughs> Tom, it's, it's just going to be amazing that we're going to get so many answers and figure out everything that's going on. Um, we're just, we're just, just give us like a two deep. When you throw in <laughs> four, three, and four, now now you're just now you're just being cruel. You're being mean. You're being spiteful. And we know it's Josh Proctor or Marcus Hooker or Josh Proctor and Marcus Hooker. Don't make things more difficult for us than you need to. Okay, please. He, he, I was just waiting for him to be like and. Damon Moore and uh, Rob <laughs> Kelly and uh, Donnie Nicky. And it's like, it's a, no, no, I don't, I don't think they have eligibility left. So yeah, it, it's, I, this is another one of these, like you sort of learn like the order that guys get named in is instructive there. The order was Josh Proctor, Marcus Hooker, Bryson Shaw, Lathan Ransom. Okay. So the top two are Josh Proctor, Marcus Hooker. You know, th- there's, th- there is, you don't have to read too, too, too far deep into uh, into any of these things. And the absence of Court Williams was kind of interesting. I do wonder if that, I mean, the bullet, I guess, is just getting treated as completely, you know, completely a different thing, or he's moved <laughs> moved position somewhere. So, yes, one of those things. Yeah, it's, and, and this is like, this is the time of year when every football program in America goes into super secret, you know, hybrid, you know, you know, area every every football facility in the country turns into Area Fifty One, where it's like, no, you can't you can't let anyone find out, otherwise they will know Justin Fields is the starter. Like, okay, all right, it's it's gonna be everyone, it's gonna be fine. Um, but that's just like that. That's just football coaches, and I don't think there's anything that's going to change the fact that that is how football coaches are. So, um, no, I think I, there, there was there there is something to be learned from that, and I think that 
what we heard was sort of confirmation that the way we've been talking about the back end of that defense is probably right-ish, you know, that, that it's, you're looking probably at some combination of one high, two high. I mean, that if you go back and listen to the show, the morning scoop show I did with Ross Fulton a week or two back, that was essentially what we talked about was, you know, this is probably what this looks like. And, you know, Marcus Hooker is quite possibly going to be the, you know, the deep rangy guy. And Josh Proctor might be the guy who's playing a little bit more up in the box. I I didn't hear anything today that made me think that that wasn't correct. No, and when you get so little information, it's hard to get conflicting information. <laughs> so there is that. But it, it was still good to to talk to everybody. The other position battle that was mentioned was right tackle. And interestingly, again, it was just Paris Johnson and Nicholas Petit Frere. Although that was those were the two names asked about. So. Uh, Dewan Jones was not asked about, but again, we've we've really just been seeing him at right guard in the clips, mm-hmm. and he said that, that both players will play, both Paris Johnson and, and Nicholas Petit Frere will play, but Petit Frere is out in front, which uh, I think we all know, and because he mentioned it, I think he's got a pretty significant lead, you know, mm-hmm. or else or else he wouldn't have even I don't think would have even bothered. I'm not sure they would have said Justin Fields is the starter. If, if if they would have been pressed, like uh, coach, will you come out right now and say Ryan Day is your starter? Well, you know we we've still got you know ten, eight practices before the game, so you know we don't want to put anything in in stone. But it was um, I, I I don't think it's insignificant that they put Nicholas Petit Frere out front or they he said it. Uh, to me, it reminds me of the Brandon Bowen versus Nicholas Petit Frere from. Last year, I Last guess. Year, yes. So long ago, Tom. Everything seems so long ago, <laughs> where it was it was neck and neck, and then it wasn't, and then both would play, and Brandon Bowen ended up playing most of the snaps, and Nicholas Petit Frere would sometimes, rarely get in during the first half. So I kind of see things going that way here with those two. That's probably right. And then you know Nick Petit Frere did get a start at Northwestern last year, so you know if if you're having that conversation. They feel like you're probably close enough to game ready that, okay, you know, they, they feel like if they're moving Dewan Jones inside, that means they probably feel reasonably confident that Paris Johnson is going to be game ready at some point reasonably early in the year, that they could they could trust him at least to be the guy in the second half when they're trying to protect a four touchdown lead kind of thing. There were there were uh, a couple of questions about you know how many positions are up in the air right now. I mean, there was a, a direct question about right tackle, there was a direct question about safety you know, weren't totally direct answers on those, but how many positions are up in the air? And they said he didn't really have a number because they're looking at playing depth at every position other than quarterback. And I think, you know, basically right now they're just trying to sort out who is game ready and, and they're going to, the coaches are going to sit down probably after the scrimmage on Saturday, sit down and go, okay, you know, left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right, right tackle, running back, X, H, tight end, Z, and then all the way through the defense too. Who is game ready right now? And then they'll sort of put those guys in a uh, in a depth chart and the guys who are game ready, and then they will uh, kind of roll those guys. They're planning on rolling guys at every position other than quarterback. That quarterback is the only spot they're not really planning on rotating people. But, you know, the, the wide receivers, they're keeping that sixth wide receiver rotation. Tight ends are going to have a couple tight ends. He said they might play two running backs at a time. And, and that's going to be true all the way around the field. He talked about, you know, Devon Hamilton last year only playing 23 snaps in some games out of 70. Like, 
even even the guys who are kind of the standout guys are probably not going to be playing, not necessarily even playing 50% of the snaps. Sean Wade is not going to play every snap this year. So they're, they're going to have that rotation everywhere. And now it's sort of a matter of like, okay, who's ready? Put those guys on a list and then put those guys in order. So, but I mean, as you said, I think they have an idea who's probably, I, don't, I think if you ask Tony Alford right now to guess who was going to be the starting running back, who was going to be the second running back, who was going to be the third running back, he would probably have a pretty good idea, even if they haven't officially sat down and had that conversation yet. Oh, I, I, you know, I, I couldn't guess. Couldn't even, couldn't even venture a guess. Uh, it, it's still wide open. Um, but, but I bet, Tony, I bet it's going to be Master Teague and Trey Sermon. I just bet. What do you, I bet that's who, that, that's who it'll be, and um, we'll see if I'm right about that. Day was also asked about the state of college football, basically from all of the games this year. Uh, I, I did find it interesting. He was asked, um, you know, how's it been? And I think he said it, it's been misery watching games as, you know, mostly, it's been, tor- mostly yes. it's been torture. That yes. was the quote. <laughs> and, and that's an offensive guy saying that just imagine what the defensive guys who are, you know, on OSU staff are thinking as they watch all of these high scoring games the the lack of tackling going on, lack of the coverage breakdowns, and that was something that he said it's kind of a benefit to be able to see this going on so that they can try to preemptively correct any of those mistakes and those issues, and so they are working on their fundamentals, and they are seeing areas where other teams are having issues, and so they can focus on those things. And I, I do think it's it's very beneficial to have this late start and see all of this stuff, but you're still going to have to contend with it yourself. And just knowing about it isn't enough, and I don't think that they're just saying, well, at least we know about it. Like They're they are actively working on making sure it doesn't happen. And, and you look at what happened this past week with, and I think the most amazing stat maybe I've ever heard, and I don't have it exactly correct, but the, the Ole Miss-Alabama game, where Alabama won 63-48. Ole Miss, I believe, only held Alabama like like 41 yards short of all of the yards they could have gained with their possessions. They kept them from gaining just 41 yards in that entire game because I think there's a punt from the 40 and then a fumble at the 1, something like that. Otherwise, wherever Alabama got the ball, they took it all the way down the field and scored. And that's that's terrible defense. And I, I do wonder, Tom, in the Big 12, high-scoring games is terrible defense. And the SEC, it's amazing offense. Would you agree? I mean, I, I've already blown my shot at a Big 10 network contributorship, so I better not screw this. I better not screw up my chance at the S at the uh, ESPN contributorship. So, no, I think I think unquestionably it is proof that the SEC is America's most superior conference and that, uh, I mean, in terms of how much it means uh, (laughs) vis-a-vis other conferences, Mm -hmm. I would say the more offense, the more it means. So, therefore, it just means more. It means more points and it means more LSU losses, which is awesome. 
I would say amazing, but like, cause I was at a wedding this weekend. And so I didn't watch, I didn't get to see any of the LSU thing. And then I saw the score and it was like, <laughs> not shocked that it, that it happened. And I, uh, I, you know, I, I never liked that hire at Orgeron. And so anytime they want to fire him, I'm perfectly fine with that. And I think it would be deserved. And I think the sooner you move on from him and to somebody else is, is the better, but, Obviously, you can't move on to somebody else until after the season. Uh, but losing to what, Mizzou, I mean, yes. is that what we're doing nowadays? Like giving up 45 points to Missouri, who now LSU and Missouri now have the same record, one and two overall, one and two in the SEC. And I, I wonder what the bottom is for LSU if this isn't it. I, can they can they? Go lower. Have they already played Vanderbilt? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, it is it is remarkable how bad that team is this year. I, th- I think everyone had a pretty good sense that yeah, this is gonna this is gonna drop off quite a bit, especially in the offense. And I, how many starters do they have back like total for the team? Like four. I mean, it's just like this is this is like the ultimate hangover year for that program. But still, I mean, it it was yeah. They gave up forty five points to Missouri, which had not won a game. Uh, previous uh, Missouri had scored 19 points against Alabama and 12 points against Tennessee and then 45 points against uh, LSU. That seems like a lot. I don't, I mean, in terms of coordinator hires that have worked out great, Bo Pelini, not so much. That's, that has not been, that has not been wonderful. Uh, And you look at, look at what uh, has happened with Mississippi state since they played LSU. Uh, They had 600 passing yards on LSU and then uh, I'm not sure if you saw the score of the Mississippi State mm-hmm. game uh, last weekend. Uh, they scored uh, two points. Two that points. That's I mean, I mean, compared to zero, yes. Um, compared to literally any other score you can achieve in American football, no, not a lot. So not no, lot. that was not that was not not great. And yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a lot of of what's going on across college football this year, which has actually made it like really fun and unpredictable. Like this is, this is shaping up to be just a crazy, crazy year, just in terms of lots of shootouts, lots of big comebacks, dramatic, dramatic, you know, final plays, really unpredictable results. Like those are fun years in college football, but a lot of it just comes down to, yeah, these teams didn't block and tackle at all for like nine months. So now it looks real rough and ragged, and it'll probably get better as the season goes along, probably. But like right now, it's like, wow, look, look at us. We're all the Big 12 now. That's great. This is, this is fantastic. And the Big 12 is like even more Big 12 than before. So it's like it's Big 12-er. Um, it is, it <laughs> is amazing uh, how, how crazy this year has been. And I, I think just Ohio State fans probably need to prepare themselves for the fact that like it's it's this is not going to be the 2019 Ohio state defense. Like I, I, I hate to be the one to tell you that, but there are a whole bunch of reasons why this is not going to be a team that gives up, you know, seven points. This team is not going to be up 42 to seven at halftime every game this year. Like I, I, I'm, I'm terribly sorry to have to tell you that, but there's going to be, there are going to be games. Ohio state's going to win games 52 to 28 against teams that they were beating 52 to seven last year. That's mm-hmm. just, that's just kind of how it is. And, and that, that will manifest itself probably in some better numbers for Justin Fields and, and 
you know, some more, more explosive offensive numbers because Justin Fields is not going to be sitting out at halftime because it's not going to be a 42-point halftime lead this year. It's going to be a 17-point halftime lead, a 14-point halftime lead, and it's going to be, you know, it, this is going to be a little more 2018. Hopefully, you know, hopefully for the uh, health and uh, mental well-being of our audience, uh, not exactly 2018 as a season, but, you know, it's going to be a little more 2018 than 2019 probably. Yeah, and we saw that year where Dwayne Haskins was playing into the fourth quarter just because they had to keep building up a comfortable lead. And, and you could maybe see some of that again this year. It, Tom, it is, it is interesting to me, and I, there is certainly some of LSU's defense that is struggling because of the losses and because of the pandemic and because other offenses are great, but Dave Veranda is also gone. Mm-hmm. So there, there is that, and you wonder – Without him, what can LSU do with Ed Orgeron? Because, you know, Orgeron had a great staff last year. I don't believe he has a great staff this year. And you're seeing the results there. I I do, with Ohio State's defensive tackles and and the safety, I do think there's going to be some issues with scoring. And there's going to be drives where I think Ohio State kind of gets pounded up the middle, and and it's one of those frustrating things to watch. And you're like, why why is this happening? And it's like, yeah. It just sometimes it does, you know, you just have to deal with it. Understand that you're not going to stop everybody and that offenses continue to get better and better. And they've had a lot of time in this off season just to think about stuff and to draw stuff up. And while Nebraska and Ohio state haven't had time to necessarily draw stuff up for each other because they've all been working on themselves. Clearly there are issues defensively around the nation and, and not just, it's I. It's not. I wouldn't say it's systemic. It's just the state of things. And so, if you don't think that's going to happen in some ways to the teams yet to play, I, I think you're being a little foolish. Now, I don't know that. I don't expect Ohio State to give up 400 yards passing like Alabama or LSU does every week, or you know, however many yards. And I'm not. I'm not thinking that Ohio State is going to give up 48 points at any point this season. I don't know how many Lane Kiffins they'll be facing, though. Like, how many Ole Miss offenses where they can do many different things. Uh, not to say that the Big Ten is not as good as the SEC, because um, if anybody from the Big Ten network is listening, the Big Ten is better than the SEC. I, I believe that in my heart. Uh, I believe that in my soul. And I believe that with the words I speak on a regular basis, starting from now. From now on. I will only speak good of the Big Ten. And, Tom, if you want to speak poorly of the Big, Big Ten, oh, sir, we are going to have words. Yeah, this is, this is going to end up with us not getting a uh, Big Ten network or ESPN College football uh, contributorship. We're going to end up with one of those arguing talking head shows on, at, like, 4 o'clock on uh, ESPN2. That's fine. We'll, 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 we will embrace debate if we need to. This is just – this whole year just shapes up to be – I think sort of a heightened version of one of my like rules of predicting a season, which is never predict a team to go undefeated because it's really hard to go undefeated. And the odds are, if you say, I think this team's going to go undefeated, the odds are you're wrong. It is really, really, really hard to go undefeated in a normal year. That's only going to be more so this year because you've got the, you have turned the, you know, the uh, disaster meter from uh, SimCity, like you have turned disasters on and it's like, okay, they're they going to be coming fast and furious. You're going to have 
you know, you, you're going to have teams that just like don't remember how to tackle in the back end. They're just making making silly, you know, silly plays in the back end, blowing coverages. You're going to have guys getting sick. You're going to have you're going to have a week when you're missing three guys on you know off of your defensive backfield or your offensive line or whatever. Like you're going to be missing some guys. Like that's just that's just how it is. That's just how it's going to be for everyone. And you know, Ryan Day's talked about the fact that you just have to you have to deal with it. You have to be you know you you have to deal with the stuff that everyone's dealing with. You have to do a better job than everyone else is doing. And you know. In general, I think Ohio State's probably pretty well positioned in terms of talent, in terms of coaching, in terms of resources to do a better job than pretty much everyone on their schedule. But you're, you're still, I think, do not be shocked if Ohio State loses a regular season game this year. I mean, Penn, Penn State has had Ohio State on their, uh, you know, on their radar all year. This is not like, oh, they didn't know they're going to have to play Ohio State, you know, on, in this weekend. Like, well, you're still you're still going to Penn State. Penn State is still going to that game is going to define Penn State season. If they lose it, nothing else they do is going to matter because everyone's going to go, well, you still lost to Ohio State. So Penn State's going to throw the kitchen sink at that game. Ohio State is a better team. Ohio State has better talent top to bottom. But this is this is a year when crazy crap is going to happen. How many, I mean, I'm going to issue a trigger warning, a 2016 trigger warning here. Ready? Okay. There have been a lot of blocked kicks this year. Have you noticed that? Lots of blocked field goals, lots of blocked punts, lots of all sorts of special teams crap. Like this would not be the first time that a crazy special teams play has swung a game in Happy Valley against Ohio State. Like, and again, I think Ohio State is probably going to be doing as good a job as anyone in the country um, at dealing with all the uncertainty and all the stuff. But this is not going to be a year when you can control everything. And as soon as stuff starts getting out of your control, when you're playing teams that are like, oh, yeah within the ballpark of being as good as you, you know, whether that's a touchdown favorite or a 10 point favorite or whatever, like if a team's that close, like you only need a couple bounces to go their way. And all of a sudden, Hey, congratulations. Now you're, now you're finishing the regular season uh, seven and one instead of eight. now. Yeah. Good job. Good, good effort. You mentioned the block kicks. I was driving back from the wedding on Saturday, listening to Miami and Clemson <sighs> when even just listening to it, it sounded terrible. Clemson, you know, runs their kicker out there for a kick at the end. Miami blocks it and returns it for a touchdown. And I'm listening to the Miami call. And, and as soon as they scored, the Miami play-by-play guy is like, this changes the entire tenor of the game. And I laughed because <laughs> that made it 21-10. Uh-huh. But Miami's offense still had not scored and likely would not score again. They, I believe they scored late, but nothing had changed. Tom, this was Clemson. This is Dabo thinking so little of Miami that he's like, ah, F it. Let's try it. And of course, we, you know, knowing like even if something goes terribly wrong, we still have the second half to beat these guys up. And that's exactly what happened. There was no consideration. It was a complete, completely disrespectful thing on Clemson's part to try to kick a field goal there at that time with, with all of that going on and risk it getting blocked and, and, seeing that happen and there was no John L. Smith moment or this wasn't this wasn't a game changing thing like it was for Ohio State against Michigan State. This was just Miami scoring a freak touchdown and then still getting smashed in the second half. Well that Clemson team that I, I had Kirk Barton on the morning scoop on Monday to talk about this and he he he's still more impressed with Alabama than he is with Clemson. 
I don't know. I'm I'm pretty impressed with Clemson all around. That's a that's a real good team. And you know, I don't think Miami. I don't think either of us were sold on Miami by any means in terms of being like, oh yeah, they're going to go into Death Valley and win. Like you know, you know, fourteen points was like, yeah, that that seems like about right. That Clemson's better by that much, and they ended up covering by substantially more than that. But uh, Miami, Derek King's passing line from Saturday night in Death Valley. 12 of 28, 121 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, Nikosi Perry, zero for one, zero to zero yards, one interception. So altogether, 12 for 29, 121 yards, a smooth 4.2 yards per attempt, zero touchdowns, three interceptions. Derek King had a 56-yard uh, run uh, in the game. And outside of that, they were 24 carries for... Uh, 33 yards, 24 carries for 33 yards for the rest of the night outside of one run by Derek King. I mean, that's just, that's just, nope, that's just not happening. And, um, you know, you can, you can, it's wonderful. Like, it's wonderful to, to think that, that, uh, you know, oh, maybe Clemson's getting, no, Clemson, no, they're, no, they're not going to, they're, they're not going to lose to, they, they could maybe lose, they could maybe, maybe lose to, uh, Maybe uh, Notre Dame, they could maybe, maybe lose if they face North Carolina, if North Carolina really catches them in the Big 12, uh, the ACC championship game. But like that, if you are, if you are an Ohio State fan who's thinking like, oh, maybe, maybe Clemson will miss the playoff. No, I don't think Clemson's going to miss the playoff. I think, I think Ohio State will probably run into Clemson at some point in the playoff this year. And uh, they will have to, they will have to solve that problem that has, they thus far have not been able to solve. But I mean, they talked. The guys talked today about the fact that that game last year is something they've been using as motivation. So, I, I don't. I mean, you you can talk about that, but it, it sure doesn't. It sure doesn't sound like there's going to be uh, any sort of uh, motivation issue for that game this year. Ohio State will not have a problem getting up for Clemson this year. Yeah, I think as much as uh, Buckeye fans want to see Clemson again, Buckeyes themselves want to see them even more. But Tom, I I, I think the Tigers are very fortunate that they get BC at home, and they don't have to go to Chestnut Hill and face the wrath of Jeff Halfley with that home environment there at Boston College. Clemson's at Georgia Tech this week. That's going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that, like, I, I miss Paul Johnson in this way, where sometimes there's always, like, maybe Georgia Tech can, can beat somebody just because of somebody having to prepare for the option and, and things go poorly. Um, like I, I wouldn't want that to be my program because it limits your recruiting, but it, it, having that, that style of offense in other conferences is fun just because it can be that stumbling block for somebody. Um, but of course it won't, it won't be this week at Georgia tech for Clemson. And yeah, the, maybe at Florida, that Virginia tech season ender. Mm, I, I mean, I no, 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 probably not. I, I have not come away. Virginia Tech is one of those teams that's ranked, and it's like, why are they? Oh, right, because a bunch of conferences aren't playing. That's why they're ranked. Okay, okay, that that answers it. Yeah, yeah. That 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 ACC schedule. I mean, North Carolina doesn't play anyone until like Thanksgiving weekend. They they have they have NC State who's unranked, but like, yeah, I mean, okay, they're fine, but they're unranked, and you know, and then they get uh, they wrap up the year with, uh, I think it's uh, Clemson. No, no. Uh, Notre Dame at home and at Miami, I think. But you know, I mean, so those are those are two losable games. But they they very well could be whatever it is seven and no eight no come you know going into Thanksgiving week. And so again, like this is 
this is a think very much a let's just enjoy the season friends like let's enjoy the fact that there is college football and big 10 football on the television and ohio state football on the television and uh you know this is this is I, I think there are high hopes for Ohio State. I think there's reasons to think Ohio State wins the Big Ten. I think there's reasons to think Ohio State makes the playoff, and there's certainly a pretty decent case to be made that Ohio State might be the best team in the conference in the nation and win the national championship. But like, d- just let's let's focus on not getting big mad every time they give up uh, a long touchdown or something this year because it's going to happen. Like it's going to it's going to happen to pretty much everyone. And but that means that. No, you know, if if perfection is the standard, no one is going to be perfect this year. No one's going to be close to perfect this year. And so, you know, if perfection is the standard, you are not going to enjoy this fall. And I would recommend after after all we've gone through together, friends, let's do what we can to enjoy this fall. You're absolutely right, Tom. If the Buckeyes lose, be happy about it. Embrace it. You know, just just be glad that they got to play, you know, and just appreciate the fact that, yeah, that loss hurts, but it's better than not playing. Even all the fresh air and, yeah, think about all the fresh air and exercise they got. We, <laughs> yes. they, every, we were all in lockdown for months. Now they're all together playing. Right, because if you would have asked somebody back then, hey, if you could, play, you could have a football season, but you're going to be 7-1, and one, would you take it? Of course they would. Mm-hmm. And so but we didn't say where that one was going to be. And so now <laughs> just, just be aware. Um, I think they're going to be good this year, though, Tom. I know you don't. I do. <laughs> so. Anything else? Uh, please don't counter what I just said. Um, anything else from today that you would like to talk about? This is, but not this from is, this show, but from earlier today. This is this is why I'm not going to get my Big Ten Network. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm constantly bad mouthing Ohio State. I'm sorry, that was my I'm bad. I'm sorry. No, uh, I think I, I think I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll talk about you while I am on the Big Ten Network, Tom. Mm-hmm. I will. I, I appreciate that. I will refer to you as a uh, uh, famed anti Big Ten honk, mm-hmm. Tom Orr. And I would love to have a snappy comeback, but I know you've got re- your replies closed, so I can't. There's nothing I can do. <laughs> that was so high pitched of me. <laughs> go, on. go ahead. Well, well uh, uh, contrary to what Tony may have uh, recently implied, I do think this would probably will be a pretty good year for Ohio State football, which means this would probably be a pretty good year to be a member of BuckeyeScoop.com. Boom transition, and uh, you can be a member at uh, join, join us at BuckeyeScoop.com. We have a ton of great insider content. We've had a bunch of great stuff this week. I really enjoyed your uh, your piece about you know. I think I know. I believe. I you know. I wonder. I think. I, I think I know. I wonder. Uh, really, really interesting insights on a whole bunch of different positions and storylines and guys. Um, guys, to kind of keep an eye on for this year. That's a members only article. Um, we have great, great recruiting coverage with Bill Green, Mark Givler. Alex Gleitman, Mick Walker. We have uh, Ross Fulton on X's and O's. We got Kirk Barton. We got Nevada Buck. I mean, it is it, Steph Odie. I mean, it is it is a murderer's row of uh, of talent and people with expertise in every possible area you would want to read about. And uh, this does this does seem like it's going to be a pretty interesting year. And it's going to be a year full not only of pretty exciting games, but also really interesting stories. Like, there's a lot of interesting stories to follow on this year's team from. You know, Chris Olave and Justin Justin Fields coming back after after last year and the way last year ended, and and all the guys who opted out and opted back in, and I mean, there's there's just seniors with their last ride, and you know, Jonathan Cooper. We haven't even talked about the Jonathan Cooper block O thing, and Justin Hilliard back for his sixth year. I mean, there's just there's a million interesting stories this year, and uh, this would be uh, this, if you are interested in uh, in any of those. 
BuckeyeScoop.com would be a great place to continue. Consider becoming a member. We have uh, membership plans monthly and also annually. Give it a shot for a month. You will uh, you'll have your monthly membership right now will include the first three games of the season, including Penn State, including Nebraska. And if they lose at Penn State, then you can rage quit after a month. But I have a feeling, I have a feeling you'll probably enjoy what you're reading and seeing and uh, experiencing and the insights that you're getting and being the smartest person at your, uh, in your friend group and knowing all the stuff that everyone else goes, I wonder, it's like, aha, I know that because I read it at BuckeyeScoop.com. So if you enjoy being smart, why don't you consider becoming a member? Very well said, Tom. If Ohio State loses to Rutgers, uh, we will all rage quit. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, just keep that in mind. No, we totally would not do that. But uh, we do want to thank you all for listening. Thank you all for watching on YouTube. And we will talk to you later in the week. Uh, We talk with uh, Matt Barnes on Wednesday and some specialists perhaps and some safeties perhaps. Who knows? It's going to be a mystery. And we will decode that mystery later this week. And then um, Thursday we'll we'll have a show for you guys. Uh, We may even do a weekend show, Tom. I don't know. Who knows? I, I don't want to put that out there. So well, thank, we still, thank, goodness you, thank goodness you didn't say it on the podcast. We will we still we will do need to do our tale of the tape show at some point. Oh, that's, with true. Michigan. that's true. And, and uh, we're running out of days on that one. And we, uh, we also will have our uh, weekly Patreon show for the previewing the, the weekend's games. This is, Hey, Alabama, Georgia this weekend might be, might be a game of some interest to uh, Ohio state fans and others around the nation. So that will be on, uh, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash Buckeye weekly. And uh, here's a little life hack. I've shared this before, but, Patreon only bills on the first of the month, so you can sign up now. And then if you decide, eh, I don't like it, you can cancel and then you make you pay nothing. So you or you can listen and go, hey, I enjoyed that. And you can keep being a member in just a couple bucks a month. So not a not a bad deal. So a uh, little bit little bit of a free trial there. There I'm telling you how to cheat us out of our money. So well, uh, you're welcome. Send uh, so the patreon.com slash Buckeye Weekly for that. And remember, Alabama, Georgia. The only game where the loser wins mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. nobody loses in that game. No stealing they, my ESPN job. Oh, sorry. My bad. Um, all right. Before I say anything else, uh, we better just go. I don't want to cost myself a position. Don't want to cost you a position, even at the evil ESPN, where you are not a partner of Fox, like I would be at the lovely and talented Big Ten Network. So thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you guys later. Later.